Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill, and with me as always, it's Austin Waiter. And boy, oh boy, an exciting NBA season, super unpredictable. Um, contenders rise out of nowhere, and eight seed goes to the NBA Finals. But it finally wraps up in five games. The Denver Nuggets get it done. My preseason <laughs> pick, just kidding. I don't know if I picked them. I mean, well, to be fair, I think we've picked them to win the NBA title, each of us, the last three or four years, it's felt like. Yeah. So I think ever since 2020, we have picked the Nuggets to win every single season. Yeah. And it's, you know. So it's basically we did predict it. I I give us credit for that. Yeah. It's just about time for them to have gotten it done and uh, really make some sense of it all. Uh, But I will. Well, I just happened to pull up my notes from the preseason. Just a quickly note. I did not pick the Nuggets in the preseason. I picked the Warriors to go back to the finals this year and okay. play the Bucks, um, just to clear the I, air. I want to say I know I know I had the Celtics coming out of the East. I want to say I did the bandwagon Clipper thing probably yeah. and picked them. Which so, but the years before that, I think it was I remember the year Lonzo and them came to Chicago. Demar and Lonzo, I picked the Nuggets to meet the Bulls in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I won't. I just wanted to make sure clear the air that I didn't – I'm not going to take credit for taking them in the preseason. But, but the previous years, we, we will take credit for that. And I did take them at the beginning of the postseason. I just thought this team looked electric and great and finally able to live up to that potential having a healthy Jamal Murray. But, uh, you know, uh, neither team scored 100 points in this game uh, five, which I think really is a testament – to the Nuggets' ability to play phenomenal defense and still get the job done in gritty games, which is really going to help this team in the future as they obviously look to run it back next year. Yeah, they. I mean, they definitely do. And this was a this game specifically. We'll talk. Obviously, we'll talk more about series in a minute. But this game five, it was a, it was pretty ugly. I'm not going to lie. I was texting. I was like, I'm not going to lie. This is some really, really ugly basketball. Yeah, and the the Nuggets really got it done in an ugly game, and those are really the games that you're worried about. You know, it's not so much looking at the games uh, that you know you won the ser- the game handily that help you decide the series. It's those ones where you know the going is tough, buckets are hard to come by, uh, you know, foul trouble for some of your best players, and yet you find a way to get it done as a team and win the game, and that really personifies the Denver Nuggets this season. Yeah, I think that personifies it well. And, you know, now they're NBA champs the first time. So now we're down to how many teams How many teams left have not won an NBA title? I'm trying to think off the top Ooh, of my head. They they showed a list. It's it's actually more than I thought. All right. So I, mean, I know the Magic are one. Magic? Magic, oh. Kings, uh, Grizzlies. Yeah. Okay. That's So that's three. Clippers. I'm trying to, yeah, Clippers. Thanks for reminding me. That hurts. Um, uh, I don't think Phoenix has done it yet. Pacers haven't done it either. Pacers haven't done it. Um, uh, that's six. You said Hornets already, right? I did not say Hornets, but the Hornets have not done it, uh, and neither have the Pelicans. Is Portland? Portland hadn't won one, right? No, they won one with Bill Walton. Right, right. Sorry, Back in the 77? Day. Yeah, first year of the Larry O'Brien Trophy, actually. Right. Right. Keep um, on. I think that's it. We And with Minnesota, you already said that one, I'm pretty sure, right? Uh, No, I don't think so. It puts us at nine. I think, yeah, I think that's... I think that's all of them. I, yeah. But uh, anyway, there's still, there's still a couple more. But uh, I just feel happy for Jamal Murray and all them because 
uh, if any team deserves it more, it's him. And there's a lot of bench guys on this team that deserve it. And just Denver after years of being like, you know, if Jamal Murray was healthy, this would have been the year. This would have been the year. And then finally, it was, it was the year. So uh, I'm, I'm just really happy for them. And again, I, I love it when someone new wins. It's always fun when someone new wins. Absolutely. And you love to see it for the small market teams. This is absolutely massive for small market teams. Exactly. Um, look at what this team did. And they didn't have a superstar that they didn't draft. Their two best players and a lot of their core pieces Drafted by the Denver Nuggets, developed by the Denver Nuggets. The only one I think of, Aaron Gordon was acquired in a trade. And so was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, but just really the the main core of this team and ha- has, you know, been a part of this team for the long haul and been there since the beginning. And uh, it, it really shows that building a team that, uh, you know, players complement each other uh, is just as important as sign, signing a million superstars to win. Um I mean, you look at it, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, two guys drafted in their own unique circumstances throughout their careers. Um, they come together, and turns out these guys mesh so well. That pick and roll is so unstoppable between them two with Jamal Murray's shot making and Nikola Jokic's ability to create from just about any position down low and his ability to seemingly finish any shot he takes inside uh, really makes them a unique and tough to stop combo in the pick and roll and uh you know it really kind of shows that sometimes that's better than doing a Brooklyn Nets approach and throwing a couple stars together who've never played together and don't complement each other um and you know no success as opposed to two guys who spend time develop and a coach who really game plans these guys together uh to play well together and uh capitalize on their unique advantages together um, that's what's been so big about Mike Malone. And I hope that Mike Malone's success this season and the success he's had with the Nuggets will lead teams to go in a direction and stick with guys and not do uh, what Phoenix has uh, recently embarked on and what Philadelphia has done the last few years. Give a guy a couple of years and can him because you don't make the conference finals when you think you should. Because Denver has definitely had a couple of years where they should have made the conference finals, you yeah. know, could have, should have, would have with Jamal Murray for a long time. And I that mean, that, there's the Portland series where they have a game seven at home in the semifinals and CJ McCollum goes off 2020. They have Jamal Murray and they face the Lakers and they don't get it done in the conference finals. So ACL. Um, and you know, then you don't have Jamal Murray and you say, Oh, you know, you get bounced when you get bounced. And you know, Mike Malone, you know, he says, you know, Give me another chance with Jamal Murray. I can get it done. And, you know, Jamal Murray was worried about would the team give up yeah. on him and try and upgrade at the point guard position to find a, a maybe a bigger superstar to play with Jokic. And Mike Malone said, no, that's not how we're going to do this because you're part of the core of this team, the heart of this team, and that was so important. Um, really, what what's scariest to me about Denver and the success of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic together is, one, these guys are locked up for a long time in Denver, yep. and I couldn't see these guys spending their entire careers in Denver, um, especially with the way this team has shown they are loyal to their players and their coaches. Uh, these two guys, especially Jokic, give me lifer vibes um, in Denver. And uh, the scary thing about this pick and roll is, uh, with how great Jokic and Jamal Murray are both at with uh, creating out of this pick and roll, uh, both of them 
All you need to do is put three three and D guys around him, which is what they did yeah. this year. Michael Porter Jr., Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and Aaron Gordon, and open shooters on the perimeter, guys who were going to shut down their uh, men. Uh, honestly, Aaron Gordon didn't get enough talk in this uh, playoffs about he drew the toughest assignment every series, and he gave those guys fits, especially sh- really helping shut down Jimmy Butler in this NBA Finals. Yeah, um, we'll obviously talk more about that in a minute about Jimmy Butler, but you're absolutely right about about how scary this team is. And another thing, they only have one key piece that potentially could leave this year. Uh, Bruce Brown has a player option. Which, if he's smart, he'll decline. He'll, yeah, and he'll get money. Or if he says, you know what, I'm willing to go in and go all in and try to win another title this year. E- either way, you can't lose if you're if you're uh, Bruce Brown. But I mean, they aren't losing a lot. They're going to literally, as Mike Malone said in the parade, run it back pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you had that trade in the middle of the NBA Finals where they traded a protected first-round pick in 2029 to gain uh, an extra second-round pick this year and an extra second-round pick next year. Obviously, this team is looking at ways where they can keep the guys they've got around using the cap room and use some of these second-round picks to help fill out the roster and get role players. We saw with Christian Braun that the drafting worked (laughs) out, um, and it is really impressive how well this team has been able to draft and develop players over the last 10 years. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't enter game four of the NBA Finals thinking, oh, the breakout player in the fourth quarter is going to be Christian Braun. I mean, and then sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if all, of all the people on the Nuggets, I was like, who's a sneaky one? I was like, Bruce Brown could get going. Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon. No, it's freaking Christian Braun, the second-round rookie who won a national title at Kansas the year before. Yeah, um, it, really impressive stuff from him and the way he stepped up and will be able to contribute in this team's uh, rotation. And he'll get more and more minutes in case Bruce Brown decides, I want money. That's just more minutes for him. It's basically you refill and reload in the second-round picks. Yeah, and you know a veteran like Ishmael Smith, who's bounced from team to team to team, could be a guy that Denver maybe moves on from this offseason to get more minutes and to bring in another young guy. But, you know, it, it really just has been impressive uh, to see a team kind of win the old school way for once. Um, you know, it feels like it's been a while since we had a home, what, 2014 Warriors feels like the last time we had a real, true homegrown team. You really, If you think about it, really, I don't know if you'll count the Warriors one from this preview. The last three have been like that. Milwaukee was a pretty That's good fair. one. Uh, mainly, uh, obviously, except for, you know, they signed Brooke Lopez. They traded for Drew Holiday. They signed or traded Bobby Portis. But, I mean, their star players were Chris Middleton and Giannis, who were there when that team won 15 games. And and those two guys were shots in the dark in the draft as well. Yeah, exactly. And then the Warriors, you could mainly – but then you think about it, they did do a lot of retooling. Uh, Got Jordan Poole. Jonathan Kaminga was a key piece. Uh, Moses Moody. at times during that playoff run, he locked up Luka in the conference final some yeah. too. So I wouldn't say it as much as uh, the Nuggets here, but you're seeing it more and more with the star players because the star players for the Warriors, keep in mind, also homegrown. Steph, Clay, Draymond, yeah, they've been all there forever. So uh, yeah, similar to a move we'll talk about with Phoenix in a little bit. It's really the homegrown talent and then building around them. That, that's what's gotten to done the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it really has been impressive to see that step towards uh, that way of the game. To And that helps 
really balance it out for these small markets that you know you're going to lose the free agency race and you might even lose the appeal race when you're trying to trade for a player with a trade uh, with a um, no trade clause. Uh, you know they get to decide where they go, much like Bradley Beal did. Um, you know that stuff kind of hurts, and so to see guys who you know, I don't want to say have no choice when they're drafted. I don't want to sound like they're being taken hostage. But, you know, those guys, it's the draft. Yeah, that's your chance to pick your guy. And to see that work out for teams time and time again, especially, you know, guys drafted during the uh, Quesarito commercials um, <laughs> becoming the finals MVP. Or the 20, one of the, what many people consider one of the worst NBA draft classes of all time, that 2013 draft. Where it was like, no one's good here. You yeah. know, this is one of the worst drafts ever. Then Giannis comes out of it, and then some other players as well. Yeah, it's overshadowed by a poor number one pick, but it actually is a great, really a great. It's draft it's an underrated. It's underrated. No, I mean because, but everyone's just like, yeah, who went number one? Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, Cleveland just ask Bills. Just ask uh, Bill Simmons yeah. about it. <laughs> it's uh it's an event. It's an ordeal, but boy, oh boy, uh, I I was thrilled with uh, this this series, but. Let's kind of turn it to Miami and kind of what happened to them. And really, it was kind of, you know, unexpected. I, I know that I said it on the podcast. I believe you said it too. We thought the key to this was would Bam show up? And, you know, really, I, I remember vividly saying this, you know, Jimmy's going to show up. Is Bam going to show up? And really <laughs> what it came down to was Bam showed up. Where was Jimmy Butler? Yeah, that was... Again, that was, I'm pretty sure I said that on Twitter and on here, was we know that Jimmy's going to do his thing. We know Max Struess might get going at points. It's that center matchup that's going to happen. And I give Bam all the credit in the world because game, game seven in Boston, he was terrible. And I thought this could get ugly. But no, all the grand, the five-game series, he showed up for pretty much every single game. And like I said, Jimmy Butler, I mean, I kept on asking myself at the end of every single game, as, where, where, where is Jimmy Butler now? And I know what you're going to say. Well, number one, that's Denver's defense. Number two, he's not even shooting the shots. He's controlling and running the offense, but he's not really even taking the shots. Yeah. I mean, what, what it came down to was Aaron Gordon had him frustrated and had him making mistakes early in the series that when it came down to later in the series, he was trying to avoid taking the bad shot with the hand in his face or make it, or, you know, taking the bad shot with somebody wide open. And Denver really fed into that. They realized Jimmy Butler doesn't want to take the shots, and that set up the game-sealing steal at the end by Contavious right. Caldwell-Pope, where Jimmy Butler actually didn't have a bad look, but he knew Aaron Gordon was on him. He didn't want to take a bad shot and cost his team the game, so he tried to be unselfish and make the extra pass. But when you're the star of the team, you got to take that shot, and KCP played it perfectly, knew, hey, it, Jimmy's going to get uncomfortable here. He's going to try to make the extra pass. I'm going to get this and steal the game. And uh, that was really impressive uh, to really get the job done. And that's just what Denver did. They frustrated Jimmy Butler and then adapted and took away Jimmy Butler's options once he kind of closed his mind off to scoring the basketball. Yeah, and granted, like the final two minutes of game five, he almost led. What he almost been a, willed him back. That was almost, if I was like, if he comes back and win, I'll shut up about him. If he manages to force a game six here, but he, but he didn't. And I'm like, you know, that's great. You're doing that in these final two minutes. You, you couldn't have done that at different point. I'm not saying you need to do that all back to back to back throughout the game, but like, yeah, you were knocking down threes with a guy's hand in your face easily in those final two minutes. I think you all, you got a questionable call on a three point shot, but you're shooting those with her right in their face, going to the free throw line, getting those shots. Why aren't you doing that middle of the game when, no disrespect to the NBA with their – I know I say they don't play defense, 
But usually first through third quarter in most finals games, the defense isn't as physical as the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're ju- at that point, you're just trying to keep up with each other. You're just trying to stay keep up on the offensive end. And then in the fourth quarter, that's where you're really batting down the hatches and try and shut teams down and protect the lead or get back in the game. Exactly. But uh, I don't know. I just, If he was a little bit more aggressive, I'm not saying they win this series. Let me be frank. Uh, I agreed. You agreed whenever we did the episode that we just felt there was – we really didn't think there was a shot Miami had a chance to win the series. Yeah. But I will say I just I, – I expected better – I just expected better from Jimmy Butler after – what, especially what he did in the first couple of rounds. I, I, I don't know. I just – I expected better. It was really ever since what? Like game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, he just – he quit being super aggressive. So – yeah, it, it was true. It truly was uh, strange. And, you know, not just this season and, you know, some of the great things he's done this postseason, but, you know, that's really just been his postseason resume. This is a guy that is a great regular season player and uh, really an underrated star in the league. Um, but this is a guy that turns it up to 11 in the postseason right. and just puts teams on his back. He did it for Miami in 2020. Uh, in the bubble, took him to the finals, and you saw the toll it took on him then. I mean, yeah. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, he he fizzled out, and maybe he got maybe he got drained, got tired, or just lost that, lost that edge. But something happened to Jimmy Butler in this postseason, and it was not something anybody expected. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you take away, obviously, from the finals and that, I mean, but we can just talk about what a run they had to the finals. I mean, and eight seed, only the second ever eight seed. Uh, I thought they would be competitive against Milwaukee yeah. in round one, but I did not think they were going to win that series. I thought they would be competitive with the Knicks. I didn't think they'd win that series. Though I felt like they were going to beat Boston. I think me, me and you both picked them to beat Boston. Boston but, was far too inconsistent. Yeah, but the other two I looked at, I was like, I don't know. But And then Jimmy and Grant, the rest of that group has stepped up tremendously too, but... You know, now you're entering offseason once again, coming up short in the finals, and you wonder what what else is there to do to add to this team or what can you do to try to get over the hump? Because they're getting there. either They're getting there. I mean, last year, this year, finals. Last year, Eastern Conference finals. A uh, year before that, obviously, lost in the first round. But the year before that, they were in the finals. So they're consistently getting there. They just cannot finish the job. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, And that really takes me into my next point, what I want to talk about. Um, With Miami, you know, the outlook is this offseason. What does Miami do to get themselves, you know, back to this position next year? Uh, And, you know, maybe keep themselves out of an eight seed and maybe make their finals run next year a little bit easier, if that is what they end up doing. Yeah, uh, I don't – I really don't know what they do because, number one – I mean, obviously, there's reports that their main focus with uh, Bradley Beal officially off the market that they're going to go after Dame. But then again, Dame has said for years, you know, I'm going to stay put. I'm going to finish my career here. But they, I'm going to bring a championship to Portland. Exactly, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. But another key thing we got to figure out here is there's a a couple of guys that could be gone in free agency. Number one, obviously, I don't think they plan on bringing Kevin Love back. I wouldn't. Think so. Victor Oladipo is coming off an injury. He was a key bench player. Uh, Gabe Vincent, I believe, is an he has he has they have bird rights on him, but he he's a free agent too, like unrestricted. Max Struess. There's a couple of key role players that they could lose. I know you're going to say, well, they can find people, but I don't. 
I don't know. I just, I feel like, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying they were going to win, but I just feel like if there was going to be any year for them to do it, not this year, but last year, I felt like was going to yeah. be their year to do it. Whenever they were the one seed, I was like, I really feel like this is their best chance with Jimmy on the roster and Bam and everyone. This is their best chance. Tower Hero was healthy, and they just they couldn't get it done. So I, I really don't know what to expect. Did they trade for Dame? Uh, I mean, great player if they do. I just don't know how he fits with the rest of the Miami Heat team. Yeah, especially a team that really has brought in a lot of guys to help bring in that gritty defense um, that to try and slow teams down. Um, really, to me, uh, a big point for them is they lost part of their defensive edge at point guard when they lost Victor Oladipo. Hopefully they're able to get him back next year. Um, and while Kyle Lowry's not a terrible defender, Oladipo was definitely the guy they could check in a little bit more athleticism right. and kind of take over for them in that department. And then have, not having Tyler Harrow, one of their top scorers, that obviously hurt them, especially when Jimmy kind of struggled to get it going in the, these finals. Would have been nice to be able to fall back on Harrow. Um, so getting those guys back healthy obviously is important. Um, and I think the big thing is, you know, if if truly going after star power is what they need and they feel like they've got to do, uh, obviously contractually it's going to have to happen anyway, but I, I feel like, Kyle Lowry's going to have to go. If there's a position to upgrade right now, it's point guard. Lowry does have that championship experience, and he is a he's a gritty, hardworking guy. Um, but he really didn't – I don't know. To, to me, in the finals, he wasn't really all there. He didn't really contribute a whole lot. But that veteran leadership of being in the finals before, um, it just felt like uh, unlike when – uh, you know, he played in Toronto and they won that finals. He was a key contributor scoring with Kawhi Leonard and helping create it along right. with Fred Van Vliet. Um, what a what a great backcourt that was of Lowry and Van Vliet, two undersized guys really getting gritty and getting it done. Um, but yeah, it's it, it it just seemed like he wasn't there. So I could see Dame being an upgrade that adds a little more scoring, but uh, you know, and, and a replacement for Kyle Lowry, but I, I think maybe moving on from Kyle Lowry is important. Not just – I don't think he's a bad player, and I think if they want to run it back with Lowry, they've got a good chance still. Um, but with how much money they paid him to get there, uh, I feel like that money would be better spent, spent bringing a couple of those key unrestricted free agents back on maybe some team-friendly deals in a way that Duncan Robinson did a couple of years ago when he was due for a big payday. Maybe these guys show a little loyalty, know they can run it back. Uh, with this team and you know maybe that a little bit extra money brings in maybe not a superstar point guard but somebody that can come in and maybe contribute to this team and obviously um, one uh, we'll wait and see on official what the deal is with Bradley Beal but if Chris Paul uh, is one you could maybe consider if he's willing to take a minimum that's not a bad team player fit I think he'd come in and be a good leader with Jimmy uh, but I don't I don't know how much more they can upgrade this team. Yeah, it just feels like this team just can't get over that hump. They just can't win those last four. Exactly, which make which is why I think they'll make the big move, and everyone's going to be like, okay, finally they're going to get over the hump. And then, I mean, we'll have to wait and see if they do that. But uh, very, I'm very interested to see what they do this offseason. I'm very interested to see if they try to make any aggressive moves or if they try to do some under-the-radar signings potentially. Yeah, uh, it, it truly has been um, exciting to see, uh, you know, what Miami does here and what what they can really uh, figure out. 
But let's turn it um, to the first big trade. Obviously, not everything is official right now, but we've got our first big trade of the offseason, and it comes just a few... Uh, what, know. like 30, 40 minutes before we get ready to record? Yeah, so <laughs> really lucky for us. Uh, one of these days, we'll have something break on air. One exactly. of these days. I mean, we had the March Madness moment yeah. on here. Now we just need... We just need to record an episode this summer, and we just need like the ultimate Woj bomb to occur. That's yeah. all we need. Um, but this this is going to be a, an interesting deal, uh, and it's Bradley Beal from Washington headed to Phoenix, um, where he's going to replace Chris Paul in this big three uh, allegedly. And really, uh, you know, the details aren't out yet. Chris Paul is you know theorized to be in the deal, um, but if Chris Paul's not in this deal, he certainly have to go um you're paying deandre Ayton nearly max money you're paying kevin durant max money you're paying devin booker max money you're paying chris paul uh max money for his age um so you know somebody's got to go i wouldn't be surprised if deandre Ayton is going to get spun at some point this offseason too um just because with the new rules and restrictions that come with this new cba that takes effect next year um that i mean Phoenix, uh, when the new league year starts and the free agency opens up, they'll be locked in a bind signing free agents if they still have DeAndre Ayton on the roster because of how far into the luxury tax they are. Yeah, that that's my big thing. And I look at this deal, and right now, of course, what, what is being said is it's Chris Paul, I think it's Landry Shamit, multiple second-round picks, and like, like a couple who, pick swaps. A couple pick swaps. Whatever's left of the first round uh, yeah. picks in Phoenix. Yeah, whatever, whatever's left from them. Uh I just I'm don't know exactly how it's gonna fit because number one, I feel like with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, if there's anything, I would want a true point guard on the roster along with them, which is why I thought Chris Paul with them would have stayed made sense. But obviously they waived him or they uh, planned to have waived him a few weeks ago. Uh, but it's interesting, but at the same time, uh, Bradley Beal got to choose where he wanted to go because of a no-trade clause. And I mean, as questionable as this is for Phoenix, uh, I mean, this is just this is embarrassing for Washington. This is this is embarrassing. You could have traded him before he signed this new deal with the new trade clause. You could have sent him wherever he wanted to, gotten a whole lot more back. Now you're getting if this works out this way. Obviously, there's rumors that they're going to reroute Chris Paul potentially to the Clippers, which I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but I don't. I just feel like you know that it's just, they finally got it done, which me and you both said yeah. when we discussed what teams need to do this offseason. I think we both said you yelled it in the microphone. I think you said blow it all up. Yeah, they've got to. And they've they got to. They, they're slowly starting to figure it out now. But I mean, this is. This is the this is a massive L. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah this this was just not uh, a great deal. Now the big thing is right now this deal is not entirely official right. because, like you said, the Wizards do not want Chris Paul, and if they were to acquire Chris Paul straight up, they'd have to guarantee an extra nine million dollars of his contract, which would raise his cap hit for them and make a buyout even more expensive for them. Yeah. Um, which is a deal they really don't want to do. So I think the big thing here is that uh, Chris Paul is going to obviously be dealt somewhere else, and I think this could help Washington a lot. They're going to obviously want more in moving Chris Paul somewhere else. Right. Um, so I think that there's a chance that if this 
whole Chris Paul thing doesn't work out the way they want, that this deal doesn't happen. Um, you know, we're talking about it like it's a done deal. And even I just said, you know, the first deal's done, but it isn't entirely a done deal yet. It's not official. Um, Washington's still deciding how they want to approach this Chris Paul situation. And, you know, again, if they decide they don't want to take on Chris Paul, maybe they just go to Bradley Beal's second option. Maybe, and I believe that was Miami, and they had Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, all them in the deal, which uh, honestly would be a much better deal, yeah. I think. But keep in mind, again, this is a no-trade clause in the deal, and Bradley Beal basically got to decide where he wanted to go. But that doesn't mean the team has to completely surrender. Exactly. Uh, so they might so they might have a lot of internal discussions about a lot of moves. And uh, I'll go back to Phoenix real quick. Yeah, um, they only have like five players under contract. I think it's Booker. If they do keep, if they do get Bradley Beal in the deal, it's Durant, Booker, Beal. I think it's Cameron Payne and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, so to me, it makes too much sense. They move Ayton and they get more depth on this roster because. What? How did they make the 2021 finals? They Yes, they got Chris Paul. Big deal. But what else did they have? They had Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder stepped up. Aiton was big time. Uh, Cameron Payne had an unbelievable playoff. Run. Cameron I mean, Johnson. Cameron Johnson. The depth of that team was a big strength. And the next year, they had still had a ton of depth where the number one seed. Granted, they lost in humiliating fashion in Game 7 in Dallas. But you kept that depth together you were going to be able to compete with that roster for more and more years than you would now was just a three man roster and probably a bunch of guys that are going to, going to try to ring chase this off season. So trading Aiton to try to get some depth, I think is has to be number one goal this off season is trade him. And cause you said the new CBA rule is a big factor in it too. Yeah. It will hit their, um, you know, there's a hard cap that teams get where they basically can sign a bunch of people to minimum contracts, um, if you're over the salary cap. But with this new rule, that would be limited. You would only get so many of those minimum contracts, and it certainly wouldn't be enough to fill a 15-man roster that currently only has five guys on it. Um, so DeAndre Aiden uh, might want to start packing his bags if this deal goes through because I just don't see a way that the Suns can make that work um, without finding some kind of loophole in these new rules. Yeah, and you can look at it this way. Instead of paying DeAndre, how much is he making here? Was it with that new contract? Isn't it like 30-something? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a max deal. Yeah. If, if it's not, it's very close. Uh, but anyway, instead of paying him $30 million, you can pay one guy $10 million, one guy $12 million. You like split it up yeah. a lot more uh, and try to get a deal done. And you, know, you say, well, they might not want – you're telling me no one wants a young DeAndre Ayton on their roster? Uh, I mean, he, if, when he's motivated, like we saw in 2021, he has tons of potential. Uh, yeah, I, it really just seemed like things with him and Monty Williams just kind of boiled over and really killed him. I really want to know what happened there. Yeah. Because uh, 2021, they were like best friends. He was giving him great motivation in the finals. Then like the next two years, it just went out the window. Um, crazy enough. Um, but also, you know, you say what, people saying who would want DeAndre Ayton. Let's remember that this was a deal that uh, Phoenix had to match. Yep. Somebody else. It I was the Pacers. The Pacers yep. offered him this contract. So at least the Indiana Pacers were interested. I don't know that they'd be willing to make a move yeah. that would sacrifice a bunch of this young talent that they've built a solid it's, team. And with. especially because they did first by some miracle uh actually did sign miles turner to an extension this at the deadline so 
I really don't know if Indiana be interested in them too, but there's a lot of teams uh, that could be on the up and coming that could potentially want him. Uh, Houston could be a sneaky one, I think. Yeah, teams interested in getting a big and somebody that can catch lobs from James Harden potentially in Houston. You know, they they're going to look to work James uh, the Harden. Net, I think the Nets could be an interesting one, but I don't know exactly what they could give up with what all they gave up. For Katie, or not for Katie, for uh, James Harden, and and all that. I don't know how they would give yeah. that up. They they would have to give up a lot of more depth, absolutely. Obviously, which they really don't have a lot of right now. So, uh, but yeah, DeAndre Ayton's a sneaking in, keeping name on. I I fully expect him to to be traded this offseason. Yeah. Um. Well. Do you have any other points you'd like to bring up here as we discuss the NBA Finals and wrapping um, well, up this NBA season? Obviously, there's a there's an elephant in the room with a certain guy in Memphis. Oh uh, yeah, that that that's come up recently, uh, oh. which we were waiting. I give Adam Silver a ton of credit. Uh, number one, I do think he's the best commissioner in all the sports. Let me say that. Number one, he he's he's pushing himself towards greatest commissioner of all time. He's made uh, a lot of great moves to help grow the NBA yeah. and uh, you know really grow it for the fans just as much as the league. Yeah. But he told us he's he said in an interview before the finals he's like I'm not taking away from the finals with these guys and what's going on. Yeah, and they, announced that John Morant's been suspended for something games and have the media just discuss that the whole time. I'm like, I, I respect that because that'll be a big thing in the off season. And now it's official him. It was 25 games he's 25. suspended for. Uh, so yeah, that I, I do appreciate Adam Silver for waiting to do it after the finals was over and after all the celebrating from the title was over. Especially since obviously Adam Silver knew uh, with this attention, he already knew people were disgruntled because uh, there were people like me and you thinking that if the Lakers and the Celtics fell out, all the media instead of talking about the finals was what could have been a Boston Lakers matchup. What 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 did these two teams need to do? And that's all we'd hear during the finals. And luckily, um, you know, these teams made people have to eat their words. Kendrick Perkins uh, was a guy that really ate his words and honestly looked like a fool. I don't know if you know what he said, but he made a comment that we need to start appreciating Jokic more. Yeah, especially you, the guy who said that he was winning MVPs because he, because he was white. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, that's, I did not hear that. That's actually – that's hilarious. Yeah, so, I like that. Uh, Jokic in the Nuggets, as well as the Miami Heat, made a lot of people eat their words, and people had to pay their respect, which uh, was obviously big for these teams. But, I, again, respect to Adam Silver for not doing that. But let's talk about this suspension because this – is a blessing for John Morant. Um, I don't think uh, David Stern really comes anywhere close to the kind of commissioner that Adam Silver has been. Yeah. Um, especially especially when it comes to shadiness. I mean, yeah. it's, you can't even compare the two on shadiness at no, all for that. No, uh, yeah. Easily one of the most uh, compromised commissioners <laughs> in the history of sports. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but David Stern... I may have suspended John Morant for the season after the first incident, incident, let alone the second. Yeah. Um. So for Adam Silver to come out and give, I don't, I don't think it. I think this is the right suspension. I know a lot of people are going to say it's light. I it. I thought I certainly thought it was going to be much bigger. Um. But this is the right move because it's a second instant, and the first instant you didn't suspend him at all. The team did suspend him, but right. the league didn't suspend him at all. So really, strike two here with the league. I think should be a small suspension, one that doesn't uh, impact, you know, the season of the Memphis Grizzlies because you got to think 
you know, John Morant missing 50 games is well over half of the games yeah. this season. And that's really what I thought this was going to become, but it's not. 25 games, I think, sends a message and misses a good amount of time, but it'll allow him to come back and help uh, Memphis, who hopefully with the roster that they have and everybody being able to come back healthy next year, will be somewhere in this playoff race uh, early in the season. Hopefully they won't be too too far out, only 25 games in. Um, and Jaw will still be able to help this team kind of run for it. And then I think strike three is when he's going to be out. It, hopefully it doesn't get to that. And obviously his return isn't just 25 games. It is contingent right, on him right. uh, checking some boxes for Adam Silver and doing some things during this suspension, not just saying, I won't do it again, and then instantly doing it again. Yeah, uh, I think I said it specifically. I didn't say 25, but I said – I don't think he should be suspended for half the season. I think, you however, said it should twenty-five be, thirty, if I'm correct. Yeah, but he should be suspended enough to make a point on it, which yeah. I think twenty-five thirty about a quarter of the yeah, season. Yeah, I think that's enough to message. set a point and not just completely screw over Memphis and say you don't get your star player for over half the year. You're only going to miss him for the first twenty-five games. Yeah, at that point, Memphis might, uh, you know, try to look to. I don't think they would start a not necessarily a full-scale rebuild, but maybe cut size with some of the, you know, bigger value guys um, that really aren't the key contributors. Obviously, you keep like a Jaron Jackson and a Desmond Bain, but maybe you move on from Steven Adams because you're not competing this year. Maybe you save a little yourself a little money, spend it all next year when you got the lottery picks or trade. Um, so, obviously, it keeps Memphis wanting to be competitive, uh, but as well sends a message to John Morant and other players in the league. And uh, hear me out. This is just a thought with you bringing up his name that just – popped in my head what about potentially Aiton going to Memphis it's plausible if you think about it I'm not saying it's possible like 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 a huge percentage but I mean think about it Steven Adams is a quality center that Phoenix obviously doesn't cost as much money as Aiton yeah about uh 12 15 million dollars yeah which is fair for Steven Adams yeah toughest Uh, player in basketball and obviously some more depth pieces would have to go like obviously not a ton because um, really at this point, Phoenix doesn't have a choice uh, to look to make that move with the CBA. So I think that could be a sneaky one and someone that they could trust, maybe some more pairing him up with Jaron Jackson, maybe uh, getting a little bit younger and a lot more athletic there. But at the same time, I do know the leadership Steven Adams provides for that team. And so I could not see him doing it, but I it, it's an interesting one. But yeah, the John Moran suspension, I mean, we all knew – uh, it was coming. We all wondered. Everyone wondered when it was going to be out. Some people thought Adam Silver was going to wait like an hour after it was over. Uh, but yeah, 25 games, enough to to send a message to him to say, listen, we're, we're, we're done. We're not kidding this time. You're, you're going to yeah. be out and you do it again. We're, this is going to be even worse. This is going to be potentially ruining your career worse yeah um you know and like a, like we talked about you know it's contingent on him you know doing a couple things not i'm sure it's not going to be a couple i'm sure it's actually going to be fulfilling quite a few things for the league before he can be reinstated um and i think that's big by adam silver uh because you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice can't get fooled again <laughs> um but um yeah. 
the league really took notice when he said, you know, I spent this time, I went to counseling, I tried to better myself. And then, you know, just months later, if even that really didn't feel like that much time had passed. I mean, I honestly feel like whenever he did the interview at the draft lottery, he just didn't, he said it in a way that he didn't say it, but he almost just wanted to bleep. Just bleep. I was like, are you blanking kidding me, dude, after everything yeah. we just went through? You yeah. do that again? Are you kidding me? And so, you know, the NBA didn't want to be made a fool of again. I'm sure they're going to have some real counseling or something for him. There's going to be fans. someone there monitoring. Um, I, I can fully say there is someone that's going to be monitoring him from um, the NBA strictly. Whether he, John knows about it or not, someone's going to be there. Yeah, and so I love this from the NBA because they're not harming themselves and their own star talent. They're not harming the – you know, long-term future of a clear up-and-coming star and somebody who gives hope to a smaller market franchise like Memphis, and they're not even, you know, dooming them to a year of missing the playoffs because you don't have your star. Um, so I, I think this is, uh, you know, the NBA did right uh, in setting up this suspension, and hopefully John Morant can learn from it and we can get back to having one of the most exciting players in basketball return uh, back to, you know, himself. Yeah, um, I couldn't say it any better than that because, I mean, he's fun to watch. He's, I enjoy I, watching I love him. watching John Morant play. I love Ray watching play. him play. Reminds me of the young Derrick Rose or a young Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's he's pure entertainment. He made Memphis. Granted, Memphis had good years before he got there, but I mean. This put them on the map. This People, literally like flipped it overnight. Like his rookie season, bang. Like they weren't even really good his rookie year, but they made the play in his rookie year. Everyone's like, okay. You know, we got we got our eyes on you, John. But now this comes over him. And again, if there's a positive, it's early in his career. So he has hopefully as long as, you know, knock on wood, he keeps on getting better and can move on from this. He has plenty of time to make people, you know, try to forget about as much as they can and move on. So ho hopefully we get back to seeing, you know, him trying to dunk over every single person yes. in the entire NBA. He has no fear. Just have a dunk. Uh, that could be his bucket list, trying to dunk on one person on every single team. Yeah, that would it, it's be possible. Awesome. It's uh, very possible. But I mean, here we are, man. We're getting underway with the big stuff, the drafts this week. Uh, we were going to do a mock draft, I will say, everyone, but uh, it just it just didn't work out. It yeah. just didn't didn't feel right. Yeah, it didn't, but I mean, nonetheless, we know Victor's going number one. Uh, obviously, my Pacers, I think, have what three first round picks. I don't. Obviously, I don't think they're going to use all of them. I could expect it, some of them to get traded or whatever. And uh, I'd be on the lookout for Chicago. It looks like they want to move Zach Levine. Portland number three. It, it looks like that's going to be the deal to make. Um, if especially if Dame is involved. In the deal, you wonder it could be like a three-team deal, like kind of with the yeah. Lakers and the Anthony Davis one, where uh, the Lakers got the where it was like the whole deal, and then the Pelicans got the pick, and then they flipped it to Atlanta, who got the yeah. fourth pick and got DeAndre Hunter. So it could be a huge four deal uh, there, and we could see a lot of teams trading up. I don't know if we'll have any blockbuster deals on draft night. I mean, it would be awesome, uh, but I do appreciate the NBA not waiting long. Uh, yeah. After the season's over for the draft, that's what that's one thing I do appreciate about the NBA. Yeah, I was you know I thought we had a, a long time to go. I mean NFL draft was like three four months after the season after the season ended. NBA's uh, like yeah championship okay draft so one like a week and a half later I'm like wait what we're all set so let's go let's let's move on we don't we don't celebrate long and then 
free agency's underway. I mean, the Bradley Beal deal is just the beginning of it. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what else we're going to be in for uh, this offseason. So, I mean, you know who to listen to to keep up with all your uh, offseason stuff. If it somehow tops last year, I don't know how it can top last year. That might have been, I mean, you had like two full spreadsheets of all the deals and the signings from the free agency just last year. So uh, (laughs) I'm excited to get back to it and really put it together. And I'm happy the NBA has opened up the floodgates with this Bradley Beal move um, because that really has set up uh, what's going to look like a a blockbuster offseason where people try to compete with uh, that homegrown talent in Denver. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be a fun offseason. Uh, I can't wait. And uh, hopefully the Pacers just draft one Razorback for me. I, I, I'm i not picky at this. I'll take anyone. I'll, I'll take anyone. I mean, they did a workout with Anthony. They did an interview with Anthony Black. I don't think they did a workout with him because I don't think he's going to – they don't think he's going to be there at seven. They did a workout with Ricky Council, which would be like the greatest pick of all time because that yeah. was my favorite Razorback. Uh Jordan Walsh is a sneaky one. Jordan Walsh, apparently, some people think he might be able to sneak into the end of the first round. Uh, yeah, his he's, he his workouts I saw really showing him as a really solid three and D talent uh, at the next level. And obviously, with the way he played his heart out in the tournament, he was a ferocious defender and rebounder uh, in those games when they needed him most. Yeah, and then obviously uh, Nick Smith too. I mean, there's a lot of potential. The I don't think Ricky will go in the first round. Let me say that. But there's potential, especially depending on how many teams trust Walsh. There might be three Razorbacks going in the first round, which yeah. I can't even remember the in my lifetime. I don't the think last it's ever happened. Were, I don't think it's ever happened ever. I've I've only like the most excited I've ever been for one was uh, Moses Moody, yeah. and that one quickly turned to heartbreak. But I don't want to talk about that. Oh, but with all that being said, that'll do it for us here at the Bold Take Podcast. Um, that's Austin Waiter. I'm Austin Hill, and we want to thank you for listening.